Blog Talk Radio. Gonna tell you a little bedtime tale, legend it will become. Burgers flying out the door, sail on. Two for one, no concern for the future. Living for today. Fast food bite on your way, lay it all to waste. The masses are afflicted now. Moo, mad cow. Mad cow. Mad cow, mad cow, line dance song. Hey, Sunshine Nation, welcome to the show here on another Friday afternoon. Some show notes for you as we get ready for today's broadcast. If you're looking for some wrestling tonight, WCWO in Indianapolis, Indiana at the Outlaw Arena. APW happening in Chester, South Carolina. Tomorrow night, Northwest Pro, where you can find myself in Hauser, Idaho. SAPW happening in Spokane, Washington. FWF in Warsaw, Indiana. Supreme Wrestling in Madison, Indiana. WTF in Fortville, Indiana. SWE in Carthage, Texas. OIWA in Memphis, Tennessee. ASW in Lincoln, North Carolina. And EPW happening in Bedford, Indiana. So there's a lot out there. And if you feel safe, if you feel appropriate, uh, go out there and support your local independent pro wrestling. And it looks like we might be hitting some technical snafus. So let me see if I can get a hold of QT Vokes here. Let's see. The old Technical difficulties gimmick. Let's see if we can get them. Your call has been forwarded to an automated voice messaging system. Five, zero, four. And that didn't work. All right, let me see if I can get our guest on here. Technical difficulties, folks. It sometimes happens. Let's see. Here we go. We will try this. If I can get our guest on. Yo, it's Trenton. You know what to do after that. At the tone, please record your message. When you've finished recording, you may hang up or press. And that did not work. Let me try it one more time.
once more with the guest, folks. Bear with us. Trent Nitro, this is Sign Guy from Turnbuckle Turmoil. I want to thank you for being on today. Sorry, we had a little bit of technical issues to start. Oh, it's fine. That's fine. Yeah, I was trying to call in, but it's uh, something was wrong with the. Uh, I don't know what was going on. I, I think our server just had uh, some technical issues. Let me see if I can get my co-host on really quickly, and we will be good to go. Your call has been forwarded to an automated voice messaging system. Five. And that one didn't work. All right, I will try him again in a little bit, but. Uh, we want to welcome you to the show, and to start off, we'll ask you our traditional first-timer question. What led to you getting into the business of pro wrestling? Uh, I've always wanted to do it. Um, uh, when I was with my uncle back in 1994, 93, or 95, I can't remember, I was watching with them on TV. They used to watch it all the time. Uh, but back then, I didn't. Uh, I didn't really care for it back then. And then, you know, fast forward. Uh, five years later, in 2001, um, I was living in and uh, I turned on the TV, and there's a the Rock promo on Booker T, and uh, I've been <laughs> watching it ever since. So. Alan, you decided to get into the business. Did you have a background as far as either amateur wrestling or a different sport or a drama or anything that was going to prepare you for what pro wrestling is, or was it all a new experience? Oh, I had background. I had uh, I used to wrestle in high school, but I never um, – the coaches – Back then, I wanted me to take it seriously, get my amateur wrestling seriously, because they thought, you know, they saw I had a, a lot of potential to be something in the, the original sport, and uh, I wasn't really taking it that seriously. My mom wasn't really, uh, didn't really want me to take it that seriously. But you know, looking back, I should have, I should, I could have been something in, you know, the or amateur ranks of wrestling. I really could, if I applied myself. Now, I know that you have been uh, injured lately. I kind of sidetracked you a bit from your entering career. Uh, I know you're on the men, but can you tell the listeners a little bit about what happened to you injury-wise? Uh, well, I was on uh, the first injury. I, uh, I broke my right femur bone back in 2013. I got hit by a car, and but I returned. Uh, about in October of that that next year in 2014, I returned back to the ring and I was doing well. I was doing really, really, really well uh, for the next three years. And then I uh, I was supposed to have a match um, in I was supposed to have a match on in February of 2019. I was supposed to have a match, a uh, cruiserweight title match. Um, in uh, Pembroke, North Carolina, 
and the very same week that I was having that match, um, I got hit by a, a car on my moped, and I broke my uh, I broke my my left finger bone. Obviously, yeah, a broken leg is going to be something that is kind of slow to heal. I myself have had a broken leg before. I know it takes several months at least to heal from that. When you broke your leg, what was the initial recovery time, and what did they prescribe to you as far as a rehab for that? Um, the first, The first one was... About, I'd say, 12 months, first one. And this the, the second one was about, I'm still healing from that one. But due to the COVID issues, I was supposed to return in October of 2020. But like I said, due to the COVID you know, restrictions and all that, I'm still, uh, I guess I'll be returning sometime later on this year or who knows. Now, we had a question from one of our longtime listeners that they wanted to ask. Um, being Trent Nitro, our guest wanted to know if you ever wrestled on Monday as a Monday Nitro. Um, actually, I did, but that was before uh, I came along. I came up with the character of Trent Nitro. Uh, this promotion I was the first promotion I rushed for in Ring Wars Carolina. We had a show on a Monday night that we had to do, and I was a part of that show, and that was that was pretty cool. Now, a lot of times, pro wrestling shows are somewhat hard to come into on the independent level. During the week, you find some that will run either a Tuesday or a Wednesday or a Thursday or what have you. In the area where you're at, if you wanted to wrestle a full-time schedule on the independence, is it something that is feasible in your area where you can find a show every day of the week? Or do the shows out there primarily run like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday schedule? They um, they usually run on the weekends. Like I haven't I haven't found a show yet that will run during the week. You know, it's mostly uh, mostly the shows run Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. One of the things that is part of pro wrestling is traveling. Uh, some wrestlers choose not to travel very far outside of their home to get the booking. Some wrestlers travel all over the country as well as internationally. What's been the farthest trip that you've taken for a wrestling booking? Uh, New Jersey. Yeah, the, uh, New Jersey was, was that was like nine hours from North Carolina to New Jersey was about seven or eight hours. I, I think it was like nine hours in total because we we would stop at places and 
request that was during the summer of 2016 and cars traffic was really really heavy uh during uh we had left on a uh friday friday morning and the traffic was still crazy you know coming up through maryland and dc and going through all the other states just in pennsylvania trying to get to uh, new jersey One of the things that a lot of wrestlers will travel to do besides taking their bookings is doing seminars. In the last 10 years or so, seminars have become a very commonplace thing for pro wrestlers. Uh, You see a lot of people that will offer a seminar on top of the wrestling booking to not only make extra money, but to help the younger talent along, especially if they are more experienced or uh, come from a more high-profile situation than that roster. Do you personally take very many seminars? I've, I've been to a few. I've been to you know uh, Earl Hebner and Brian Hebner's seminar when I first uh, my first year. Uh, that I was in full time. Uh, see, there was the Tommy Rich seminar I've been to. There was a Steve Carino seminar I, I've been to. Um, that's about it. But more recently, it was the Tommy Rich seminar. That was years ago. Oh, I have personally wrestled against Tommy Rich, so I can imagine what his seminar would be like. Uh, when you're Taking a seminar from a guy like that that has been around for over 40 years and has held the World Heavyweight Championship and was a major cable television star early in cable TV's run, what's it like for someone like yourself kind of learning from someone at that level? Um, I mean, I just I just take it in and I, I observe and you know, I, I don't get too um I kinda of starstruck a little bit, but then once you like after a few minutes it's like, okay, you know, it's time to learn now, it's time to learn, you know, and soak in all the knowledge. I mean, I, I even uh I even was fortunate enough to uh attend an Al Snow seminar. And that was that was pretty cool as well. Al Snow of course Recently, I believe, sold OVW. Um, He was the owner of that up until recently, and OVW developed a lot of sister promotions, not only in the United States, but internationally. Uh, When you take a seminar from a guy like Al Snow and you work on a show with him, does that open up doors for you, do you think, as far as uh, getting into new places or making connections with people that you would want to work for or with in the future? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he was um, he was watching our uh, – he had did a seminar for the promotion that I first started with, and uh, he would um, he had wrestled on that show. He also watched all of our matches later on that night at the show on the monitor we had in the back, and uh, he was giving feedback and advice. So, you know, it was – it was pretty cool, I and mean, of course he's he's scouting all of us and seeing what we do wrong and blah 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 and this. And I just remember uh, him 
saying or or my coach said was telling me that he liked my selling. Thought my selling my selling was pretty good. So he gave he gave each of us um, feedback individually on what we did and what he liked and what we needed to work on. So I thought that was pretty cool. And when a promoter and booker like Al Snow says he likes your selling, that's about as big as it gets in wrestling, really. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, I know at the show and um, the one I attended in, in New Jersey, the one I worked at in New Jersey, um, um, Jay Lethal was actually there in the front row. And uh, the promoter, he knew him as a friend or whatever, but I didn't know he was there. And uh, I know that after my match, uh, there's this guy, after me and the guy, we had the match, and there's this guy, he's just standing there. He's like, I want to talk to you guys about you guys' match, and, you know, you can work on this and this. And he, he would point out the pros and the cons. He, he told me, you know, I liked your selling. Your selling was very, very good. And I didn't know, I didn't realize it was Jay Lethal. I'm just sitting, I'm just standing there, you know, taking in. I want to know what I did wrong. And then it didn't hit me, like, after about, like, a few seconds. It seems like, wait a minute, dude, that's Jay Lethal talking to you. <laughs> so I thought that was, uh, man, I, I took that to, uh, I guess I, was, I did something right. I'm, I'm my own biggest critic, but, you know, I guess when Jay Lethal tells me he likes my solo, I guess, I guess I'm doing something right, man. You're definitely doing something right. So I'm going to attempt to call my co-host real quick. So let me see if I can get him on the line. Hello, QT here. Hey, QT. We have Trent Nitro with us. So if you want oh, to all right. ask him questions, go right ahead. Oh, okay. Uh, we have him on right now? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, welcome to the show, Mr. Nitro. I think we had a little bit of technical difficulties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, uh, he had to call me. I, uh, I tried to call in uh, three, four times, actually, but it wasn't, it wasn't going through. So. Oh, okay. All right. Well, Mr. Nitro, did you used to belong... Or did you make up half a tag team called Steel Wheels or Real Steel? Yes, yes, Real Real Steel. I was uh, the third guy in Real Steel. I actually joined them. They were already a tag team, and uh, I joined them in 2013. And now it's um, now it's um, we're working on we're working on trying to have a reunion. But the other guy, he's 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 he says he's done with wrestling. But I'm gonna try. We're gonna try to persuade him to have one more match because I mean I'm 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 having some gear made towards the real steel tag team, which I mean we haven't been together in quite a number of years. So it'd be that that's one of my goals is to um is to if not this year, then sometime next year have real steel come back and have a reunion and you know have a six man match and you know just uh you know just get the band back together one more time. Can you tell our turnbuckle turmoil listeners who the uh, other two members of Real Steel are? Yeah, uh the uh the first guy is Jason Steele 
he's you know he'd been wrestling for some years and uh, he took me under his wing. And the second guy is Reggie Reason. They both he's been wrestling for some years also. He was actually in the original OVW when they were in um, in Kentucky back in the day with Jim Cornette and all of them. Uh, he had been he's been wrestling for for some years now, and he's he's still wrestling and. Whenever he has uh, matches, I'll go with him on the road, and uh, we've we've uh, actually had matches as real still, but just with the two of us. The third guy wasn't involved. It was you know we've actually had some matches. We're just trying to uh, get you know the, the Jason back and have a actually you know full match, six man match. That'd be pretty cool. But they have both. Um, I give them a lot of credit, man, because they they've. They took me under their wing. They not only helped me outside the ring, but inside the ring as well. Um, I'm sorry. not That's not only helped me inside the ring, but they've helped me outside the ring as well. And they, they've given me a lot of advice about life and about about everything, man, about spirituality, just everything. You, you name it. They have, I'm, we are actual, we're not, we, we're not blood brothers, but you might as well call us brothers because we have, you know, been through it all, you know, up and down, ups and downs and everything. You know, they, 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 there's not a time that they haven't been there for me or I haven't been there for them. Can you tell us how big Jason Steele is? How big his physical stature is? Uh, he's about six foot something. I can't really remember. About six foot one, six foot two. Uh, he's pretty, he's pretty much. He's pretty decent physique. He's uh, he's he's um he's an MMA fan, so uh, he's he's um he's always trying to stay in shape. The same thing with Reggie. Uh, Reggie is about six foot two, six foot three. He's always um he's a bit taller than me. He's um but he he can go in that ring. He can uh, he can hold his own. He's very uh, intelligent. Both of them are. They're just uh, like I said. They're like my brothers, for real though. Okay. Would you say J- Jason Steele is uh, JBL like in his temperament? JBL. What do you mean? Would he have Jonathan Bradfield Laisha uh, like qualities? Uh, would he? Would Jason Steele be the kind to d- drive Cadillacs? With big horns on the front and drive down to the ring in style, would he be? Would he, is he stylish and flashy like JBL? No, I don't think he would be doing that. I, I can't see him doing that. Uh, I don't think he's he, he's very uh, um, low key. He's not that super flashy. You know, if he talks to you, he talks to you. If he doesn't, he doesn't. But he he's not that. Okay. He's not that Okay. Would you say Reggie is Kurt Angle like in his tenacity? Uh, I would say Reggie can hold his own, but I would say, um, like his in-ring style is more of like a brawler, you know, hit him fast type of dude, uh, like Bad News Brown type of. Uh, in-ring style. I think uh, Jason Steele will be more like a Kringle type of dude. Okay. So you're saying Reggie is more like the Brooklyn Brawler? 
or the nasty yeah, boys. Yeah, he's more like, you know, yeah, yeah, he's like more like, you know, Bad News Brown or the, the nasty boys. Those type of, a brawler type of dude, like Stone Cold, you know. Okay. All right. Now, was it Jason Steele that reached out to you, or, or did he notify Reggie and uh, bump him with a, with his elbow and say, hey, look at this guy over here, uh, Mr. Nitro. He seems to have some potential. Do you want to uh, approach him? Was it something like that? No, it wasn't. To be honest, it was uh, Jason Steele had missed the show. And, okay. Uh, and he, he was able to tag team champions, but Jason did. He, he he had missed something that came up to where he missed the show or whatever. And Reggie needed a partner, and so the promoter told me, you know, you can fill in for Jason Steele. So that's when that's how I made my debut. As I filled in, I was his partner. I filled in for him, and it it just went on from there, you know. Oh, okay, all right. Well, Mister Nitro. John Gotti, who was also known as the Dapper Don, was an American gangster and boss of the Gambino crime family in New York City. He organized the murder of Gambino boss Paul Castellano in December of 1985. While some members of the mafia uh, he associated with avoided the spotlight, He was known for his expensive clothes and flamboyant personality in front of the news cameras. My question is, are there any truths to the rumors from my wrestling sources out of Shelton, Washington, that you yourself were inspired to carry on the dapper torch of John Dapper Gotti? Uh, Not not really. I mean, I... um... The dapper thing came from a family member of mine who gave me that nickname. So, you know, that's where that came from. Oh, okay. All right. Well, Mr. Nitro, John Gotti was also given the name the Teflon Don after three high-profile trials in the 1980s that resulted in acquittals that he may have helped Uh, bring about these acquittals through witness intimidation, jury tampering, and jury misconduct. My question is, have you yourself ever hit someone with a Teflon-coated foreign object? Um, No, but I've I've hit someone with a guitar before. I've hit someone with a guitar and, you know, busted their head open before. Like the Honky Tonk Man. Right. Oh, were you a big fan of the Honky Tonk Man, and would he be uh, in your top six of all-time favorite wrestlers? Uh, I'm aware of the Honky Man, but he he wasn't my favorite wrestler. I mean, that's, that was just you know, something we came up with on the spot to do in a, in a um, no-holds-barred match. Okay, would you say that Jason Steele and Reggie would agree that you have uh, Honky Tonk Man musical-like abilities? Would they say that of you? I don't know, for sure. Oh, okay. Can you tell our Turnbuckle Turmoil fans your entrance music? 
Um, well, my entrance music is um, Need You Tonight by N6. This oh, okay. Cheese band. Okay. All right. Speaking of the 1980s, were you yourself a big fan of Flock of Seagulls, which, uh, to my knowledge, has never been used as an entrance music? Their song, I Ran So Far Away. Were you a big fan? No, because I didn't. I, I didn't exist in the '80s. I mean, I, I obviously I went back and watched a lot of movies and songs, but um, I no, I'm not. Okay, all right. Well, Mr. Nitro, John Gotti's underboss, Salvatore Sammy the Bull Gravino, aided the FBI in finally convicting Gotti in 1991. Sammy the Bull agreed to turn state's evidence and testify for the prosecution against Gotti after hearing the boss making several disparaging remarks about him on a wiretap that implicated them both in several murders. My question is, have you yourself ever used the wiretap method to find out your opponent's game plan before a match? The wiretap. No, I've never done that. I've I've studied the tapes, studied you know the films and the matches, the previous matches. But as far as doing that, I mean wiretap. I I know what a wiretap is, but I've never done it. Okay, no wiretap. Very good. Okay. All right. Tapes. Okay. Well, Mister Dapper, do you think we will someday see? In the WWE, a pivotal moment when a wrestler is about to cash in on a Money in the Bank briefcase, briefcase match with another re- when another wrestler will come out and say, I have perhaps in my possession some photos you may want to keep from your wife and your employer, but they are in possession of this, of the state stored, of the state, of this state stored in the state capital lockbox that I rented. Give me the money in the bank briefcase or I will turn state evidence against you. Do you ever see that happening in the WWE? That's my question. State's evidence. Uh, I mean, from the way you explained it, I could see something like that happening, yeah. Oh, okay, very good. I, I myself would like to see that, yes. I would. I personally would like to see you use state evidence against one of one of your opponents. Yes. It would be good. Okay. Well, Mr. Dapper, in the early years, Gotti became the leader of a gang called the Fulton Rockaway Boys, a group known for their frequent robberies and carjackings. When he was 14, John Gotti's toes were crushed as he tried to steal a cement mixer. The incident gave the, monster, the mobster to be his trademark gate. My question is, are you working to develop a knife-edged chop that is so hard that your opponents will be knocked so silly that they might as well don a pair of cement shoes and sleep with the fishes? Uh, I mean, 
not really. I'm just, you know, I, I've shot people, but <laughs> I mean, I, that's it, man. I'm not, I'm not trying to develop a, a chopping move like that. Like, I mean, I already have a chopping move in my repertoire. <laughs> oh, all right. What is the hardest knife edge chop you have ever been hit by a female wrestler? Yeah, I could say none. I mean, I've I've been hit by female wrestlers, but not hard, hard, because my pain tolerance is, is pretty high. Okay. Have you ever been knife edge chopped by a wrestler named Madman Pondo? No. Okay. What's the hardest knife edge chop that you have received? that felt like you had cement shoes on and you were going to sleep with the fishes? Uh, I had this match um, a couple of years ago downtown. Uh, downtown Fayetteville. Uh, I was in a match with a guy and he put me on the top rope and chopped me like twice. And I thought I was going to lose consciousness or something like that. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Well, Mr. Nitro, I also saw your YouTube video entitled Trent Nitro, FCF Seek and Destroy. My question is, did this interview or promo take place in a Finnish sauna? Because it looked like you were surrounded by wood paneling. Yeah, yeah, you can say that, yeah. Oh, it took place in a sauna? Yeah. Did you ever wrestle in high school where you had to go in a sauna to lose weight? Were you a high school wrestler? Uh, yes, I was. Um, I've never went to a sauna to lose weight. I was told one time uh, to uh, not eat lunch that day because I didn't make weight that morning. I wanted to wrestle later on that night. So that was I was told that. Okay, what year in high school was this, and what weight? What when when this happened? Well, I think it's I'd say 2005. I was at 134, 133. Okay, one of the lighter weights. Okay. Yeah. Was this your junior year? That's uh, my freshman year. Freshman year. Okay. Did you wrestle all four years in high school? Uh no, just two years. Okay, on at your sec in your second year, did you make it to state? No, I wasn't. Okay, um, I wasn't. I didn't apply myself wholeheartedly to wrestling. I was just doing it because I wanted to be a pro wrestler. But my coach, oh, okay. um, they had uh, persuaded me that I could I could really be good at you know collegiate wrestling amateur wrestling they had they saw a lot of potential in me so it was just i i was i guess so stupid not to realize that i could have been something i was just so focused on at that time uh <laughs> the pro side of wrestling okay all right um mr nitro were you aware that the lead singer of nirvana kurt cobain once wrestled for his junior high school in Aberdeen, Washington? I, I had no idea. Oh, okay. Yes, he did. Kurt Cobain. Okay. Oh. 
Well, Mr. Nitro, in that FCF Seek and Destroy video, you were speaking about being a wild card in a Royal Rumble match at the John D. Fella Rec Center. How did that turn out? Um, I can't remember the... Um, I don't remember nothing about that night, honestly. Um... <laughs> I really don't, dude. Like, I, I, I mean, I've had so, I haven't had thousands of matches, but I don't remember, you know, specifically about that Royal Rumble, that Battle Royal. Okay, okay. Well, during that interview, Mr. Nitro, you said you would come out on top because you had super nitro fuel. My question is, have you ever gone back on YouTube and looked up uh, in the 1970s, pioneering female drag, drag racer Shirley Cha-Cha Muldowney that drove super nitro fuel injected dragsters. Shirley Cha-Cha Muldowney. I had never heard of Shirley, uh, Shirley Downing. Shirley uh, Muldowney? Yeah, I've never heard of her, so that's, that's what the answer is. No. Oh, okay. Well... You might, your homework assignment is to go on YouTube when this interview is over and look up Shirley Cha-Cha Muldowney and her driving nitrous oxide burning fuel dragsters. She often uh, drove a pink dragster and she was one of the first women to do so. And Shirley Muldowney reminds me of you, Mr. Nitro, a pioneer in wrestling. Uh I wouldn't say I'm a pioneer. I'd say I'm a part of the um, part of the uh, <laughs> one of the gears. I'm 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 definitely not a pioneer. Well, let me. Uh, well, I hope that you get back uh, to the tag team of Real Steel, and they operate as well as a well-run dragster. That's what I'm trying to get at. Well-run okay. dragster. <laughs> no crackers. No crashes. Okay. Well, I do hope you enjoy your homework assignment of looking up Shirley Shasha Muldowney. And at this time, I'm going to give it back over to Sign Guy. Thanks, man. Thank you, QT. Well, Mr. Nitro, one of the things that is probably going to be very popular this year especially is outdoor shows. Uh, once the weather starts cooperating, I think it's going to be uh, something that a lot of promotions will utilize in order to uh, be able to do social distancing while we still battle the pandemic. Right. Do you have an opinion on outdoor shows? Is it something that you normally enjoy or dislike or have kind of a neutral feeling towards? I don't see a problem with it, honestly. I've done a couple of out, outdoor shows. So I, I, I don't see no problem with it. I mean, I could see that that would be the solution. You know, people have to, you don't have to pack people in private buildings. You just have them outside, you know, six feet apart. So that, that works great. One of the more controversial aspects in the last few years in pro wrestling has been 
the use of blood in pro wrestling. A lot of people have very mixed emotions when it comes to blood in matches. Uh, some state commissions have actual regulations on it. Uh, some promotions self-police on uh, the use of blood. And other promotions, it's something that you see a whole lot of during the course of any given show. What's your own personal thoughts on blood as it relates to wrestling here in 2021? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with um, like blading, like cold, like hard blading. But I mean, if, if blood is is what people like, I guess give it to them. Have you yourself ever been in a situation where either you or an opponent uh, did get cut and started bleeding in a match? Yeah, that when I uh, when I uh, busted one of my opponents open with a guitar. Yeah. That will often cause that. Well, we've come to the part of the show where we have a game that we like to play called Bring on to choice, bring on to funk. I'll ask you a series of two options, and the option that is your own personal preference is the answer. Are you prepared to play around to bring on to choice, bring on to funk? Go ahead. All right. First one, disqualification or count out? Uh, disqualification. Leg drop or elbow drop? Elbow drop. Hulk Hogan or Ric Flair? Ric Flair. Tea or coffee? Uh, I like both. But uh, black coffee is more healthy. Weights or cardio? Um, Weights. Swimsuit or business suit? Uh, well, it's a woman. She should be wearing a swimsuit. All right. Cage match or battle royal? Cage match. Boots or shoes and kick pads? Boots. The final one, eye gouge or biting? I doubt. All right, and that concludes Bring On the Choice, Bring On the Funk. Now, I know here in 2021, things are a little bit different for uh, wrestling shows, but uh, before the injury and before the pandemic, I know in your area there were often pretty big crowds for pro wrestling events. What would you say has been the biggest crowd so far in your career? Oh, man. Uh, WrestleCade. When I attended WrestleCade a few years ago, uh, that was the largest crowd I've been in front of. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, and that was, um, I was in a uh, battle royal in that, mat, in that, uh, that night. Um, my goal is to wrestle in front of a large crowd, but it be a one-on-one match, me versus somebody else. So it's, That'd be, that'd be pretty cool. 
And when you get in front of a large crowd like that, is being aware of the crowd something that affects you, or do you try to block out the crowd and just focus on the match without paying attention to the size of the crowd? How does it normally work for you? Um, I'm going to pay attention to the crowd either way. So, um, you know, I, I acknowledge that the crowd is there. I don't try to block them out all the way, but you know, I, I get what you're saying. I, I, I try to engage them in the match. Wrestlers usually have a moment or two that stands out to them as kind of a special moment with a fan, whether it be uh, receiving a gift from a fan or a fan paying them a compliment on their work or whatever the case may be. Do you have a special memory with a fan as far as that goes, something that stands out that uh, meant a lot to you? Um, I can't really say for sure. I mean, I've I've signed like autographs and whatnot for you know people's moms and or whatever. But um, besides that, um, there's nothing really specific a fan has given me. I I would like the fan to give me it. Um, there was a fan that drew a drawing of me that was pretty cool. But um, other than that, that was um, you know, I, I haven't really. There hasn't been one really. Touch me like that. Now, in the era that we are in right now, it has become more important as far as wrestlers being able to get bookings and to advertise themselves and their shows using social media. It's become sort of an important tool that wrestlers have. Some wrestlers don't seem to totally grasp how to properly use social media. A lot of people seem to have a pretty good handle on it. In your area, do you think that by and large the wrestlers have a good idea of how to use social media to their advantage, or do you think it's something that they need to work on and improve? I don't know. I think it's um know how and what they're doing I mean I mean as long as you don't you know post anything crazy out there then that's good I mean I mean social media is it's, it's a blessing to social media um, I'm going to talk about the pros of social media is um, you can use it to promote you know your self and your career and get in touch with you know friends and loved ones. So I, I think that, I mean, as long as you're using it for that purpose, you know, to, you know, to get for networking purposes, then that's good. On the last year or so, we have noticed a trend of wrestlers using pineapple as part of their gimmick. We have, of course, pineapple-clad Tom Chad, who is in one of the OVW sister promotions in Utah. There is Pineapple Jack in Texas and Oklahoma. And, of course, the most famous 
I believe would be Pineapple Pete, who was Sugar Dunkerton on the Independence before being christened Pineapple Pete in AEW. What do you think of the trend of pineapple becoming a popular gimmick in pro wrestling in 2020? I see no problem with it. I mean, pineapple's been around for ages and decades. I mean, I, I guess whatever catches on is just what catches on. And we saw in the videos of you that you have a very, very uh, well-developed abdomen area. Do you think that having such a well-developed abdominal region is something that helps prevent you from getting the lower back injuries that a lot of wrestlers have? Um, I don't think it has. I, mean, I, I just always like keeping myself in shape. Um, like I said, I've, I've had some in-ring injuries, you know, neck injuries. I, I um, As far as um, back injuries, um, I haven't had that the last time I had a back injury in the ring was years ago when I first started. But other than that, it's like, you know, I I, I don't credit my abs as the reason why I don't have a back injury. I just credit, you know, I just try to take care of myself and, you know, take care of, uh, make sure I'm doing it, you know, the right maneuvers. When wrestling sort of gets a little bit more normal in the entire country as far as the independent circuit, is there anywhere within the United States that you've never gone to for wrestling that most interests you? Oh, dude, it's like a a whole bucket list, man. Uh, Texas, California, um, I'd like to go back up to New Jersey, uh, Tennessee. The um, that's about it. I mean, I would go down south. I mean, you know, you know, I don't want to, but I'd go down south just to wrestle. And Texas, California, mostly the West Coast and Tennessee, and up north, it's uh, back to New Jersey. That's that goes on my bucket list. And, of course, uh, going back overseas, that's definitely on my bucket list. You wrestle primarily up in the Carolinas, uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, that region. One of the promotions that has most interested me and one that I was fortunate enough to work for at one point is Gouge. I know Gouge is kind of a niche audience, Um a different style than a lot of promotions. Are you aware of the gouge promotion and have you ever considered working there? Oh yeah, I'm definitely aware of gouge. Uh, my um, the guy that I was uh, working for, first promotion I was working for, they, they were affiliated. They had a partnership with gouge. And uh, I knew a few of the, the, the uh, people that you know, wrestled with gouge. I mean, like Seymour uh, uh, Scott, uh, Kenny Lou Retton, uh, um, a couple other names I, I can't think of off the top of my head, but um, 
Yeah, I'm definitely, I definitely am aware of Gallup. They run out of, uh, they run out of Raleigh, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. That is accurate. Yes. Now in pro wrestling, we've seen a plethora of families that have been uh, very prominent. You've had the Von Erich family, the Funk family. There's the Malenko family, the Hart family. There's so many great wrestling families where fathers, sons, brothers, sisters all uh, have entered the sport together and made it a family business. What do you think it is about pro wrestling that tends to attract families to it? It depends on how you grow up, man. Like, you you forgot to mention the Guerreros and you know, the um, uh, the Samoan dynasty, you know, of everyone. You know, Barack, Roman Reigns, and Peter Maivia, and uh, I forgot what was the name of that, that tribe. But, yeah, I mean, it depends on uh, how you grow up, basically. So the Guerreros, the, the, uh, the Samoans, you know, like you said, the Von Erichs, the Funk, with your Malenko's, just depends on you know how you how you grow up and what your parents teach you. Well, we've come down towards the end of the show, and I want to make sure that you have ample time. If there's anything you want to say to the listeners, plug and promote anything and everything you want. Social media, upcoming appearances, merchandise, your favorite dry cleaner, anything in the world. Floor is all yours. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. I just want everyone to, um, you can follow me on Instagram at TrentNitro5X. That's TrentNitro5X. And you can follow me on Facebook as well. That's at TrentNitro. You can follow me there. And um, that's about it, man. Trent Nitro, it was an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. We appreciate you taking the time to be with us. And we hope that you heal up from that broken leg and get back into the ring. And hopefully we will get to do this again sometime. And maybe we'll even cross paths sometime in the future. Oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. I hope so. All right, fans, definitely once he gets back in there, go buy yourself a ticket to see Trent Nitro. Look him up on the YouTube. You can find some videos on there. Great, great talent. So I think you will be definitely impressed with him. Make sure you follow him on the Instagram and the Facebook so you find out where he's going to be. We will be back with you on Sunday afternoon. It is hockey day on Turnbuckle Turmoil. We will be talking to various people that are in both worlds, wrestling and hockey, and see how those two intertwine. And then we will be back with you one week from today. And one week from this very day, we will be back with you. And our guest will be, in fact, King Logan. So make sure you join us for that. Be safe out there. Go out and support your local independents wherever they may be. You can find me tomorrow at the Northwest Pro Show at Curly's Junction in Hauser, Idaho. And until next time, we'll talk to you later.
I believe in you. 